Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. I'm George. And I'm Blake. I don't know what I'm doing here. Hey. What, what, here? what is Blake doing here? Not Blake from Blake, the fog, right? <laughs> Blake was, no. Okay, good. Blake was uh, a little jealous mm-hmm. um, of Richard. A little. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yes. Richard Oliver. And, um, and so it didn't feel right. You know, to, you know, have one, not the other. And so, actually, Blake is the most successful podcaster I personally know. Nice. He is our most successful podcaster on the show to date. Sorry, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) You got to meet some more podcasters, I think. That's what it sounds like. That's what I'm getting out of it. Blake Weiland from the Chasing Tone podcast, as well as the Tone Mob podcast. Have I forgotten anything, Blake? You were a cardboard cutout Um, at one point. I was a cardboard cutout at one point, uh, as discussed on the most recent Chasing Tone episode that I'm assuming will come out around the same time this does, if not. I'm this whole thing is just for naught, but uh, no, that's that's the primary sources of me blabbering on the internet, unless I decide to start another one like I've been threatening you to do for the last couple of years. But oh, do so it. far that hasn't happened yet. Now, you mostly talk about the guitars, do I understand that correctly? That's the idea. Um, but what ends up happening is usually something entirely different. Uh, so I started talking about guitars, and I still do talk about guitars. Sometimes things get really, really nerdy. But oftentimes these days, it it goes just kind of out into the weeds. I start with guitar people, and then it could go anywhere. I spent, you know, two hours talking to a well-known guitarist, uh, Yvette Young, about night, uh, like night terrors and, uh, you know, sleep paralysis and aliens and uh you know you never know where it could go it could go anywhere well we run a tight ship here on the remedial film class podcast (laughs) if you talk too far out of line (laughs) we'll push the button and it'll it'll shock your chair it's a whole thing uh lawsuits let's avoid the liability let's just stick to we talked about guitars for 20 minutes during the first blood episode (laughs) so yeah how did we get the guitars from john rambo i don't know but we did it i don't know We listen to, didn't we listen to Bob Dylan? I think so. In that, yeah, sure. Why not? That's what we did. That episode, we do occasionally we end up listening to old Bob Dylan on this show. <laughs> I don't apologize. That works for me for any of that. That works for me. Yeah, I now, like it. That's good. Today's movie is Trading Places. Uh, John Landis, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a continuation of our Jamie Lee Christmas special where we let George watch a lot of movies with Jamie Lee Curtis because he finally found an actress that appeals to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that what's going on? That's oh, what's going okay. On. All right. I, I, I unfortunately watched the first season of Trading Spaces, so I'm going to oh, be talking you, like, about- Oh, you binged it? Yeah, I binged it. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell we were talking about. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And Paige, you know, Paige is Paige. Mm. Anyway. Well, I was uh, taking some notes. Um, I don't have a lot of notes. I have like some- like high level notes. I have notes too. It's just a few things. But um most importantly, my phone is now I can now swipe the initials JLC. Nice. And it'll pick it up. Nice. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. JLC. 
Kezra. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. I was going to say, she, you, you know her like personally? Is that a thing? <sighs> <laughs> he thinks he does, especially after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Hey, now. <laughs> hey. Oh. Groucho Mark's eyebrows up and down. <laughs> yep. That's another uh, movie reference, George. Yeah. He's like, who's Groucho Marx? Oh, I've mm-hmm. heard of Groucho okay, Marx. Yeah, friend of the show, right? Groucho. He would be if he didn't die 25, 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so First what are your initial thoughts on the movie, George? It was bonkers, man. Is of course that a, it's bonkers. It's John do I, Landis. Do I, do I detect a positive, uh, it's bonkers? Or did I get a little kind of a cynical, like, ooh, bonkers? Snarkiness? No, no, not cynical at all. It was bonkers in a good way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. It's very good. Stop um, playing coy. Yeah. Give us specifics. We're not here to... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to pull it out of you. I mean, dude, if I, if I, like, like I said, my notes are, like, high level. If I, like, wrote every single detail of, like, everything that I thought was funny or I liked, it would just be, like, a list of things, like, oh, I like this. I like this. This is I like this. Okay. I like this. Well, like for two hours. For the sake of it's our a listeners, two hour movie. Yeah. Make you, maybe dress it up a bit. Uh, give us some. Give us some radio. Okay. So, um, f- first off, I I did not know what I was getting into. You guys kind of hinted at JLC was going to be in this movie. We didn't want to last week, but we uh, never try to tell you what's in the movies. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to our show, you would know. Okay. So it was, it was Richard's fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a good way. So I knew JLC was going to be in it, but I turned the movie on and like it just in the first minute, I like, I get like really hyped because like it's Hometown. Betsy Ross Bridge, yep. Pensacon, like it's right on the sign. Pensacon is the town I grew up in. Guys, it's me. a little cloudy where I'm at right now, so the traffic copter can't take off, but... <laughs> For our newer listeners uh, who haven't heard the oldest episodes, they need to understand that y'all like to talk about your area and the highways that connect you. Uh, yes. So you're near this this movie, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, like three miles away It was away filmed from in Philadelphia, movie. totally on location. So yeah, there's a lot of home in this movie. So like, it gave you the warm fuzzies is what you're saying. When you saw your yeah, hometown dude. name on the sign, I saw your hometown name on, name on the sign <laughs> and went, oh, crap. Yep. Everyone who's watched <laughs> this movie has seen my hometown yes. on a sign. And I was telling Dan earlier today, if they would have just taken that exit, they would have seen a shit ton of Haddonfield signs. It's true, because, because Haddonfield is next door. Right, and that road... That bridge takes you to Haddonfield Road, which would take you to Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is where Michael Myers was born. Yes. So we're just going to leave that one out there. I'm so riveted right now. can't <laughs> even tell you. Guys, I'm so excited <laughs> about all of this. Well, what's funny is the Rocky statue is in there. Yeah. The Rocky statue is there. I do really, really want to go to Philadelphia, mostly to see the Rocky statue and eat cheesesteaks. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, I have no real connection to it other than that. And uh, I don't know. I like, I like the vibe of the East Coast, but not in a way that I want to be there longer <laughs> than a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a West Coast boy, and so yeah. it, that's, that's just... Uh, but I, I've always felt an attraction to cities like Philadelphia, Boston, New York City, which I'm not lumping them all together. They're all very different, right. but they're all so different from over here. 
uh, collectively. Um, but Absolutely. I really enjoyed the Philadelphia, like just the whole backdrop of Philadelphia being at the center of the show. That was actually one of my favorite things about it. It was neat how it was kind of like New York, but it was New York light. <laughs> like yeah. everybody was kind of moody and kind of rude, but they were kind of nice too in a Philly way. Like, hey, uh, you're standing in a four foot puddle. But I didn't warn you before you stepped in it, but I'm going to tell you you're wet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Before the taxi runs and splashes <laughs> right. you, you know, like, so you're just wet from the knees down. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Philly statue, the Rocky statue, I was like, oh, God, that, that was brand new because this movie came out in 83. And I believe Rocky 3 came out in 83. So okay. that statue debuted in Rocky 3. So that was almost a brand new statue in this movie. Just I saying. had some real issues cool. with the Rocky statue being in this movie. Because it hit me like how artificial it must be for someone to create a statue of themselves for a movie, like self-aggrandizing, and then to put it in someone else's movie. Holy moly, mm. guys. Holy moly. Did you see Rocky III? I, I, no, I don't think I have. Okay. So the story behind the statue is actually, it touches right on exactly what you just said. But we'll do that in Rocky III when we actually do it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I haven't seen Rocky III either. Surprise, surprise. It's ironic that that's what Dan said because that that actually is it what this, ties in. Yeah, it ties in. Interesting. See, this I've got so my weird. finger I'm, I've on never the been pulse, around. Man. I've never been around this many people at once that have not seen all of the Rocky movies. <laughs> <It's> so strange. <laughs> I've seen all of them about a hundred times, so I'm okay, not good. that guy. Yeah, good, 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 good. good. I've I think seen my dad most has seen them. them. I think I think my dad was watching Rocky when I was being born. Hmm. Like my mom was like, "Stop watching Rocky. We need to go to the hospital now." And then <laughs> oh, I was your dad born. went to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Shit. See, I'm ten years older. Yeah, it was than you, the and late, my dad was like, "It was yeah, the late '80s." Let by me the time know what I you had. Born, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, I Blake, I don't know if I could live anywhere else than the Northeast. What's cool is we have the Jersey Shore too. So New Jersey actually has a bunch of different areas that kind of feel like the West Coast, but it's not as you know the climate's not as a uh, consistent you, you get might. every season here you get every season yeah. here it, like you i don't want to go on too much my favorite thing though is the people yes and my favorite and the reason why i love the people is because we all generally leave each other alone <laughs> like if you're talking to someone it's because you know them and that's it you're really polite I don't, I don't know. I spent enough time in New York City to know that there was a lot of people talking to me that I didn't want to yeah. talk to me. In that <laughs> that's <time>. New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's why nobody makes eye contact in the Northeast. Like, <laughs> that's unless... my problem. Maybe yeah, I said, yeah, I don't said look talking. At yeah, that's the thing. Look at your shoes and go. <laughs> or just straight ahead, you know, like, yeah. You put on a beige um, trench coat. You put on a fedora. You pull the fedora down. You walk directly into the theater and you don't talk to anybody. Right, that's a yep. different thing. Altogether that's a different that thing. You're Actually, about. now yeah, that you mentioned that, thing. that is a different thing. But see, mm-hmm. if if uh, if Eddie Murphy in this movie and uh, Dan Aykroyd in this movie took that advice, they probably would have never met. And you know, yeah, w- would that have worked out for the better? Is this a spoiler no. show? Is this a spoiler no, show not. or not? A spoiler we do show? spoil this if they're over like a year old. We spoil them, and we usually tell people, "Hey." If Actually, we usually forget to tell people it's a spoiler show. But why you listen to this if you haven't watched the movie, guys? Go stream it. Go buy it. That, that is a fair it. point. I, I actually had never seen it until last night. Really? What? Never. What? What? I'll, I'll save my review for deeper. 
Okay. Uh, I but I I I had I had never seen it until last night. There was actually a fair bit on the list that that Dan sent, um, and I was like, hmm. So you I belong like, on well, the show. I, I mean, it was kind of surprising, honestly, because I do like movies. But then I realized, like, I watch a, watch a lot of weird movies. Yeah. Um, mm. So does Dan. Yeah. So that. Hey. <laughs> in, a, in a trench coat. Um, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> I watched a movie where a chimpanzee walked around with a knife. Like, I'm just saying. That's, yeah. On Dan's sounds... recommendation. <laughs> yes. Like, I was recommended. Oh, same movie? Chick talks to bugs. <laughs> And the bugs talk back. No, Not kidding. I mean, Not to be kidding. fair, I just watched a movie where a gorilla mates without consent <laughs> with a guy in a gorilla suit. So I don't really know that we're that far off, boys. That is a fair point, and that was upon uh, your That's guys' recommendation. Yes. So collective recommendation. So, but it was um, a, it was a drunk Al Franken, so we'll take it. Yeah, I I don't <laughs> know that I mentioned it. Did kind of look like Al Franken. No, Al Franken it, was, it was one of Al Franken, the, bro. The oh, stop luggage it, really? guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh it was uh Johnny Depp. No, anyway. Oh my god. I don't know that I'd seen right, this I gotta movie go back all the way either, guys. I've seen it on TV here well, and there. I knew bits, but I'd never seen the whole thing front to back. Well, once we get to like that part, I did mention something about that part of the movie that Oh no. You know, we have to we have to talk about. You put a pin in it? I'm gonna put now? a pin in that. Okay. Once we get through George's notes. Oh, yeah, George, you had notes. Did you want to share any of them? <laughs> I was going to say, let's slide right on into those. Like, like I said, um, all right, so after the introduction, um, there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, a lot of very rich people, and, you know, obviously they're setting it up for one of the people that is going to be trading places with someone else, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, okay, this is high society. I get it. Let's keep going. And then Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy... Doing does this does the same shtick in everything? This is his trope. That he's in. This is a trope. Yes, but this is like one of the first times he's done this in a movie. Okay, that's interesting. He, he did Forty Eight Hours already, but it was still in the can and didn't come out. Okay, so Landis heard about him and cast him. Okay, so this is like but the first time you're seeing. Eddie what Murphy I was gonna say on the big screen is that he is he's his shtick is the same shtick mm-hmm. every time. It's always good. Yes. It doesn't get old. Like he doesn't get mm-hmm. old. He can he can continue doing that for And I, he does. I mean, <laughs> how long has he while. been doing this stick for? It's but it gets still, better. It gets better. Like he gets so, seasoned, if you will. I, I'm not, I haven't seen Eddie Murphy in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen oh, I forget the it was the uh, the red leather um, Eddie Murphy Raw. Raw is that yeah. which one? Raw. The you know I got some ice yes. cream and you ain't got no. Yes, it was iconic. Back welfare. Then. You can't afford and your dad's it. You can't afford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm familiar with Eddie Murphy. Haven't seen him in a lot of movies. I know that he's in a lot of movies. Okay. But his shtick is wonderful. Yes, I love the man. Yeah, like, I loved him in Daddy Daycare. That was just a premium, premium. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Maybe not. No. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Way over my yeah, head. Yeah, George is like, what's that? I know. <laughs> well, you know what? That's one you can go ahead and miss. Yeah. Uh, that's what that is. Anyway, sorry. 80s Eddie, awesome. Agreed. Early 90s Eddie, great. After that, eh. And then once he plays Donkey, then he's good. But he's animated. Oh, I have seen him in. You saw yeah. him in Shrek. Yeah. 
Like his last good movie in the nineties was, I believe, Boomerang. And then he kind of started having kids and started doing kids movies, or he went in seclusion for a while. Then he started doing kids movies, and that's when it was like he was doing Doctor Doolittle, and I mean the the Nutty Professors did really well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they did he was really no, well. He was Doesn't no mean longer. They were the, really well. Yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't the raunchy Eddie anymore. Like when you see him, no, right, yeah, in this, and you see Forty Eight Hours and. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, one, two, and three. Uh, coming to America, he's come in, on. Coming to America, like he's in his prime. Right. In the 80s. Weren't we all, though? Weren't we all? I, I don't think George or I were. No, I, was I don't think between we were. between 5 and 15, so. Oh, JLC was. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll get there. Agree. Put a yeah, pin in yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, also, I when I was let's uh, rewind, go back in time, first minute. I did not know John Landis was involved in the movie. No, you didn't. Either we didn't tell you. I love John Landis. Yes, you do. Hold on, He's... you you didn't know that John Landis made this movie, George? No. Even after Richard <laughs> told you last week that it's a John did Landis movie, did he say movie, it? <laughs> and no, I chanted, well, did he? J L J L C and I was like, see, it works. J L, yeah. My God, we had this. You, oh, J L J L C. Oh, John you Landis. might have yeah, some yeah. short-term memory issues. George. No, yeah, you know what? I do, I do recall <laughs> that now. I uh, know I do recall that. He now. heard J- Jamie Lee Curtis, and he was all over that. He forgot. I think that's John that's Landis. exactly what it was. Probably I heard J L C, and then. But to to go to your my brain when you were talking about the rich, you know, back and forth. Like I was watching it, and I was thinking, Chris Rock does a bit about rich people mm-hmm. and he says michael jordan is rich mm-hmm. the guy who writes michael jordan's checks is wealthy and okay. it's like that's to me they were showing winthrop and they were showing him and his servant and his house his uh, his brownstone near you know rittenhouse square mm-hmm. like all the stuff about him and you're like damn he's loaded and then they show the dukes <laughs> right and you're like okay they got 30 servants they have a you know twenty five bedroom house yeah and they're on the next level so I think that was really well done how they showed the hierarchy and how even if you're rich <laughs> you could be the low class of rich too you know because you see them treat him that way too they talk about who him. treat who that way the Dukes the two old guys they, they treat Winthrop they, that they way they talk about Winthrop like he's they I mean they kind of in a rich way they bully him because sure, he's below yeah. them even though he's well off as well. And yeah. he makes them rich. It was well done, I think. That little setup. Agreed. Did you have any thoughts on their comments on class, George? Yeah, I had lots of thoughts. I don't know how much of it I should say. Well, the out whole loud. movie is about class. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down racism, classism, and socioeconomic status. I mean, that's basically the, the whole premise of the yeah. movie. Yeah. It was uh certain parts were very eighties. On the nose. Yeah. Like, wow, can't believe they just said that. But hey, listen, it was... Blazing Saddles had the same thing yeah, going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you could do the same thing today, even though it is like, you know, they're just trying if to make a point here. making fun of racists by having a character be racist, that's the way it was in the 80s. Like, they, they basically, in movies, they were pointing out something that was going on. Right. And the racist was never a good person in these 
types of situations. Right. Like it was like they were almost saying like all the people in Blazing Saddles, people are like, oh, they couldn't be made today. But if you watch it, everybody who's racist in that movie is a buffoon. Right. So they are purposely doing that. They're saying, you think that's racist? Wait till you see me do racist. And I'm just going to do it on the, you know, like you said, on the nose and in your face, which brings attention to it, also makes fun of the racist, but, you know, it's a win-win. Not unlike real life, where they're all buffoons. But uh, Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very much like real life. It is a, it is a really interesting... I kind of knew the premise of the movie going in, but when they just, they just kind of dive right into that, right? They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't, I mean, that's the entire idea of the movie is classism and racism. And they really just go right for it. And it was actually like, to me, like not really knowing exactly what to expect going in. uh, I was, I was genuinely surprised that, because I think some people could look at it and go, oh, they're taking this too lightly. Hmm. But I don't think they were. I think they were no. really actually trying to attack it in a way that would have been accept- acceptable for the time. Well, I think, I think John Landis does this a lot, because I know he does it in Coming to America, too, and he does it even more uh, polished, that whole classism thing. Yeah. There were just parts where I went, ooh. <laughs> well, You're yeah. supposed to. There's yeah. a lot You're of cringe. Yeah. Well... Mm-hmm. I think the cringe factor of this movie's probably gone up by like 40% since it was made. That's a very specific <laughs> yeah, number probably, that I just yeah. made up. But I think <laughs> there was some cringe in the 80s. And I think as we've like, you know, as our positions have changed over the last 40 years, uh, I don't know that all of this movie is fun or good. Well, the, I mean, the Dukes are never celebrated in this movie. No. If you notice, like they're not the good guy ever like well, even no, before they, the bet i mean they have the whole thing where you think the one duke brother's a good guy for like for a moment for three a quarters moment. of the movie until you find out that he's actually just as bad if not worse i wouldn't say three quarters are you talking about don amici no the other guy the old the okay. other brother the one who you yeah. know he, he he proposes the experiment he wants to show this thing and you're like well i mean he's horrible but like at least he's sort of like optimistic he's for the, the potential he's the, yeah he's the nurture guy until you get to the you scene good, where you find cop. out you find out that it's a dollar bet and you're like oh that's gross and then he's like oh, i'd never mm-hmm, let a right. person like that run my company well neither would i you know and it's just like oh yeah. no you do suck you're awful like darn yeah but i, I don't have a problem with that because that's a good reveal because even though you're you're not rooting for either of these guys you're kind of seeing all right one of them is taking this to its to its end Maybe the other guy might stop it. Well, but that's not really what I'm just sure. saying. Like, that for, like at least half the movie, you think that one of them is the optimistic ideologue, and the other guy is just cynical and horrible. And then you find out they're mm-hmm. both cynical and horrible, and it's fine. It's it's a. I it think there's plenty of uh, plenty of information along the way, though, that could. I was I was like, man, this guy is not. Yeah. You know, there's something fishy. He's doing subtle. He's doing the subtle homework, as I would say in the acting world. He like he was doing a lot of subtle uh, deliveries of lines. We've talked about it before, where you take the line and you play with it. Uh, you mm-hmm. can tell he was kind of showing uh, there was more to what he was doing. And well, you anybody, can watch it at face value. Yeah, anybody who's willing to destroy one man's life and artificially enhance another one's life for the sake of science 
is obviously a bad guy. Yeah. But well, it yeah. wasn't their characterization changes for him when he reveals his his like true nature or whatever at the end I of the I think movie. they revealed that so that you didn't feel bad at all when they were about to lose all their money. Yeah. Because you would kind of feel bad for the good one. Would you though? Uh, Cuz I mean he just I mean, destroyed I, a guy's well, life and then artificially I don't know I don't know that I watched this movie thinking either of them was the good one. He didn't really destroy because his life. He just is, put his life on pause. <laughs> this is how I interpreted it. Right. With the two brothers. When they were talking back and forth, there is the oh, this psychology um nature versus nurture debate, right. right? How much of who you are and how you turn out is, you know, based on your genetics and how much of it is based on your uh Choices. Environment. Environment. Environment, right. Environment. Environment. So you had one brother that was nature, and he was the one that we all hated from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And you had the other brother who was arguing that, you know, nurture, take this other guy, take some guy that's, you know, totally put him in the, put him in this situation. And he will shine. And he will. Right. Right. Because, and he's just, they're just like two opposite ends of the argument. Right. What I thought through the whole movie was the, the nurture guy who is supposedly the better of the two, he was all about the bet. I don't even think it was science, right? I think, he, I think right. he believed that science or whatever, but I really think his number one was just winning the bet, which was for a dollar. So they're both crappy. The amount mm-hmm. is just, it was just no about issue. winning. Yeah, it's just Right, it was just about the bet. That's how I saw it. He just cared about the bet. He just wanted to be right. That's it. Right. That's how I viewed it. And they're brothers. So, right, it's like extra competition. It was all about competition, not exactly. really about, as you could say, like, they even set it up like, oh, same amount as before. Like, we've we've done this before with yes. some other stupid thing, you know, mm. in their minds. To them, it was stupid. Who knows how many other lives they wrecked previous to this you know right i saw them both as kind of like political parties really yeah how so uh like don amici's character who was the uh and this is 80s commentary i would say it but i'd have to pick john landis's brain to find or whoever wrote it uh to find out what they meant but i kind of looked at them too as two sides of the same coin and the one Don Amici character is kind of like the Republican, you know, looking down on everyone that's not him mm-hmm. mentality. And then the other guy was like, I'm better and bigger and and more important than all these people, but I'm going to give them what they need to survive and kind of, you know, work for their issues and whatever. But they're going to be under me. They have to support me because I'm giving them what they want. So I kind of looked at it as they were. And I could be completely off, but you know how some people say I'm I'm not affiliated to any party because they're both crap. That's the way I looked uh, at it. Like yeah. it was like, I, uh, I'm you know, with that idea, yeah. they were both not good people. They both had different ideology, but they had the same thought process to, and result. Basically, that's the way I watched it this time. I never thought of that in the 80s, obviously. I was too young. I don't right. know. In the 90s, I just saw boobs. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. I don't <laughs> know if this movie really has like a political underpinning, though. I mean, it only had like at least at least two pictures of Ronald Reagan in there. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. 
Right, and then the whole drug thing. I wrote down. I'm kidding. Dan's it was all 80s drugs. Man. Oh, right. <laughs> I wrote down Dan's. <laughs> it's like I'm sitting here like what? I underlined it. Dan's 80s drugs theory in full effect. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, he must be everything on was drugs. drugs. Yeah. That guy just robbed the bank. Dope. He must be on drugs. That guy. Drugs, right? Everybody's on drugs. Oh yikes. I mean, everybody was on drugs in the 80s, though, right? That's true. That's well, my recollection yeah. from what people have told me. Everyone's always on drugs. Let's not sugarcoat it. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, it's not a decade thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the clothes in the 80s. You know everybody was doing something. I mean, really. Man, we need to go back to the 80s. It would be pretty fun. funny if four people in the 80s who were high on drugs, the, the, the bright colored clothes that are so garish actually looked pretty like mundane. <laughs> and that the only way you could survive the 80s would be to... Inhibit your senses with drugs. That would be kind of funny. As, as somebody who remembers <laughs> watching the very first music video on MTV, we made fun of the clothes and hair back then as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Wedding Singer because the Wedding Singer kind of uh, was the inner commentary of me when I was a kid. Like, you know, take that glove off, man. You look ridiculous. But Mickey is and so it's... fine. He's so right. fine. He'll blow your mind. Yes, sir. Or Ricky. You know, it's the Weird Al version. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about Frank Oz? You want to? Who's Frank Oz? All right. So when Winthrop goes to the uh, police station Mm -hmm. and they lay his shit out on the table and Mm -hmm. they tell him, you know, shut your mouth. I'm going to rip you a new asshole kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The weenie cop, the one with the glasses and the balding head. Mm -hmm. And when he says, uh, it's an opera. (laughs) <laughs> That's Frank Oz. Okay. So Frank Oz is an icon. Should be an icon in your world, but you don't know why mm, he's an icon. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> so Frank Oz is the voice of many Muppets. Oh. So when you hear his voice, the first thing he says, I always hear Fozzie Bear. Okay. He's the voice of Fozzie Bear. He's the voice of Miss Piggy. He's a voice of Yoda. Okay. So, Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. Grover. Super Grover. Fucking icon. (laughs) (laughs) And he pops up. And this is where the Sesame Street comes in. Yes. But he pops up in every Landis movie. He's in American Werewolf Werewolf as well. Okay. And American Werewolf. So, I'm watching it and I knew he was in it. And he's actually directed a few of my favorite movies as well. So, he's uh, he's like one of my favorite people. But I'm like, I wonder if George is going to recognize his voice because the first words he says, I mean, it's 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 uncanny. Like you it, you know that's a Muppet, right? And you missed it. No, I totally <laughs> missed it. But yeah, his his little deliveries when he's like, what was the name of the play? And he's like, it's a uh, Bohem. La Bohem. Bohem. And he's like, it's Bohem. He's like, it's an opera. <laughs> like he's just like so making fun <laughs> of him because Dan Aykroyd plays that part perfect. Yeah. Like, and to see him play Elwood. I mean, you watched him in, in Blues Brothers, so you yes. s- you're seeing him play both ends of the spectrum. Yes. So yeah. if, if you're not a Dan Aykroyd fan after this, then I don't know what to do for you. But yeah, I just that's our Sesame Street connection. And speaking good. of people who are in the movie that George should have recognized, uh, did you recognize the pawnbroker? Where oh he's God. like, hey, that watch is worth, you know, $7,000. Yeah. It's 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Bo Diddley, man. It's Bo King Diddley. Mm-hmm. No. No? Did not recognize. Oh, man. I'm just going to check. No, did not recognize. Yeah. You know what I would be terrible at? The match game? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
if like if I witnessed something like a horrible crime and the cops were like, "What the guy look like?" You like, look like Tom Atkins. You're you face like blind, a, bro. Like a guy. You have face blindness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, he looked like a guy. I don't know. To be fair, I wouldn't have recognized him as Bo Diddley had I not seen in the credits. I was like, oh, Bo Diddley's in this. And then I so saw I was looking for him. Yeah, like he's not B.B. King. Like he's he's recognizable, but he's, you know, if it was Louis Armstrong or, you know, Aretha Franklin, you're going to see that person. You're going to recognize him right away. Bo Diddley's kind of, he's not obscure, but he's also yeah. not a prominent face. If he's not playing yeah. that rectangle guitar in front right, of your face, right. you're not yeah. going to recognize him right away. It's true. Right. One other fun name that popped up in this movie is uh, Darth Vader's dad, Robert Earl yes. Jones. Yes. And he's in this the same year that he's in an American classic called Sleepaway Camp. Hell of an 83 for Darth Vader's dad. <laughs> <laughs> There's another familiar face that pops up for you, Dan. You should. Uh, you probably don't know who she is, but um, the voice of Harley Quinn... Since you're Bat Dan, the the uh, Arlene Sorkin, her name is like the animated Batman series. Oh, Sorkin was, was in this. Where was she? I didn't see her. She was uh she was at the party. Oh, okay. she was like a featured prostitute. But when I saw her, she had as soon as I saw her face and I heard her voice, I was like, oh, that's you know, way before she was the voice. I don't remember when the cartoons came out. Probably late eighties, eighty eight, eighty nine. I think so. The, I think that was the nineties thing. That was a solid early. Was it right after 90s. right after the Burton Batman? So like ninety ninety one. Okay. Yeah, it was like 90, mm-hmm. 91, 92, somewhere in there. Okay, we could look so, it up, so. but it's more fun to just say dates. 92, 98, yeah, 2000. <laughs> I think you're right, Dan. I think it's 92. I remember sitting on my mom's bed looking at the clock radio, tick away seconds until time to watch the first Batman episode. I was excited. Mm, 1992, I just verified. Boom. There we go. Travis is usually good with dates. It's got to be movies, But he though. has plus or minus a, a year, year for every <laughs> decade ago it happened. Unless it's so. iconic, like... That's some of them you know. So if it's 1992, that's... Alien 3. That's, what, 30 years ago? 30 years ago, yeah. Right, so he can he's plus or minus 3 on his guess. Batman Returns came out in 92. It's, I, I'm very good with movies that came out when I was working at the movie theater, because I can tell you exactly what year that came out. I can't tell you what year it is now. <laughs> like 93? That was Jurassic Park. It's, uh, yeah. it's 2022 Huge. now. Okay. 2022. Yeah. Sure. Huh? Uh, Where are we? What what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And the other face I saw that he plays, um, is it Beaks? The, you know, the... the I recognize him immediately. Yeah. Yeah. He's the principal from Breakfast Club. You'll you'll see him. But he's, uh, his name's um, Paul, I think, Gleason. He... Is iconic in the '80s too. Just to see see him pop up, and I for, totally forgot that he played that part. Mm. But he's all over the '80s, so he's you're gonna see him everywhere. Okay. Well, and you've already seen him in Die Hard. Yes, he's yeah, like he one like, of the out of uniform cops from the local department who fights it out with the uh, the FBI guys. Okay. <laughs> His best line is when he's like, "Fuck off," <laughs> and that person's like, near, <laughs> when he's near the payphone when he's talking on the phone, That's, and he's like, "Hold on." That's the, that's the northeast baby oh my god i wrote it down i laughed so hard it was like i wrote it down hold on dot 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 fuck off mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he takes the time oh know? my god it was so funny he takes the time to pause tell her to fuck off <laughs> get back to this um 
I love well, how to, like to when be someone... fair, that lady was annoying me. Yeah, she's like standing she there, standing there. Like, hey, guess what? I'm gonna be on the phone for a while. Like, leave <laughs> me alone. I have the... I. This is a little bit of a sidebar, but why that was personally annoying to me is I spend a lot of time on the phone, and I'm a pacer, so I'm walking around my neighborhood right. a lot. Yeah. And some of my neighbors have not figured out that like, and I'm not in headphones or anything. I'm literally holding my phone up to my face for the right. reason of letting everyone know I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. And people still try to come up and talk to me <laughs> the, for no, like with no, like, it's one thing if my wife runs up like, Hey, I'm going to leave real quick. Okay, cool. Right. Like, or some, but it's no, some random neighbors like, so the weather's real nice today. <laughs> like I'm on the phone. You have a neighbor, at least this. one right now recording a podcast. And he's like, you know, I saw that crazy neighbor today who walks around pretending he's on the phone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't even give me the time of day. How rude. Yeah. But he has, he's only got four listeners. <laughs> I just don't, you know, you see somebody, even if they're pretending, that's a signal. Leave that person alone. You know, I'm just yes. throwing it out there. I do it at work. I'll, I'll, I'll do that all in the time. An, in the Northeast, uh, you pretend to be on the phone so you don't get jumped. Yeah. How does that help you? You just physically describe everyone you walk by. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're on the phone, like whoever you're on the phone with, you, you know what I mean? Like they know, like, you know, they know where you are, like, you know, you know, it's just someone. Someone. Some on people the other get line. jumped someone... because they're on the phone because they're not paying attention. Oh yeah, that's. I guess that's true. I think I'm gonna bet you guys a dollar that you should walk around <laughs> in Philadelphia for the next two weeks, both of you separately on your phones, and we'll see who gets jumped. Science experiment. Yeah, you might have to walk for a while before either of us well, get jumped. Philly now or Philly in '83? Because I'm not walking around Philly now at all. <laughs> It's not bad. It's they bad. don't really punish crime there anymore, so I'm a little nervous to go over there. Mm, okay. They don't prosecute much. Let's put it that way. Okay. Fair enough. Well, why would you? I would say you have to kill <laughs> you no. have to kill somebody to get prosecuted, but that doesn't happen either in Philly. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I've never heard of a mil- murder occurring in Philadelphia. That's that's no, at least not. Of. Oh wait, one just that. <laughs> oh wait, another one just happened. It's like one of those uh, <laughs> like one of those tickers like. Every eight seconds, yeah. someone dies in Philadelphia. Yeah, we have we have the co- the CNN COVID ticker for yeah. murders in Philly. I do have a friend who works uh, in intensive care there, and it's terrifying sounding. I'm like, mm. you got to get a new job. Like that. Yeah, my rough. my sister works in the trauma unit in Camden, so she actually sees Camden some stuff. is Camden is worse. I don't know about now, but Camden was worse than Philly, and Camden's right on the other side of the river. From Philadelphia. Well, what they did in Camden was they they leveled like four blocks and built a super police station right in the middle of the city. Yeah. So mm. they pushed they pushed everything no, out. Like you know how like Detroit has a reputation for being very very dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Camden no, never. statistically. No. Camden trumps that. <laughs> Camden statistically, at least you know, like in the early two thousands, was right. worse than I, Detroit. I think Philly's beaten Camden like, now. per capita. I think you're probably right. Yeah. But anyways, anyways, that's, well, this so, is depressing. that's so low yeah, trading places. This, this is great. Well, I mean, <laughs> it kind of goes in the social uh, economics uh, situation. In it sure life. does. Helicopter took off. Go ahead. <laughs> what part of town are you worried about? Uh, Can you believe how they treated Eddie Murphy when he bumped into what's his face? That I, w- I wanted. I wanted to believe that that wasn't based in reality that that was that was played up for the movie but i know that 
Probably that could happen. Wasn't. That could happen. I've seen that happen. Yeah. Like the problem was, and he was doing, he was grandstanding, like uh, Ackroyd. Like he was doing yeah. that in the police station too. Did you see that? He just threatened me. Right. Like it's like, uh, again, the classism. You're, you're going to get, they're going to believe me over you because I have four credit cards in my wallet and you're out here on a fake cart saying you're crippled and blind. Right. So it's kind of like uh, he felt entitled. And to he a knew degree, he like, like the whole fake cart blind thing, like you are running a scam. So you mm-hmm. are openly being dishonest so i can understand why somebody would distrust you there but at the same time i can't stand those people who are like did you see they grazed my shoulder right, right. like like come well, on well they man. they kind of play both they they do it well because they they show eddie murphy do that with his own friends that night like the next night like yeah. they come back to his, not his house but the house he was just trying to steal shit from. That's his house, man. The day prior. That's his no, house. No, but I mean, it was they gave it to him, but like the day prior, they're like, you don't have to steal anything. You live here. This is your yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is all your stuff. So, yeah. but once it was his stuff, now he's judgmentally yeah. looking at his people. Yeah. So it's like they purposely did that. Absolutely. That scene watching with the, dude yeah. watching the transition of Eddie yeah. Murphy become. It, it happened a little fast. That should have been like a week that went by before he did that party. That would have yeah. been more realistic. Sure. <laughs> Uh, same thing with the relationship between uh, Curtis and she's she's always comes up with this. Her relationship with Ackroyd got it was fast, quick. Or it was it got um, intimate quickly, mm-hmm. like when she, when he was sick and she got in bed with him. She's like, oh, like, you don't feel well. Time yeah, to get intimate. That, that's something that would probably happen over over a couple weeks. But Landis does that, like in yeah. in American Werewolf in London. That guy uh, David was in her house within yes. hours of being discharged from the hospital. Yes, so. Uh, he doesn't worry about a timeline. He I just. If, he, I wonder if that speaks to Landis's desires. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> just throwing it out there. I'm glad that Landis doesn't worry about timelines because at the end of the movie, there's a point where there's like five minutes to go before they open. And I thought he was going to make me sit there for five minutes while he built tension. So mm-hmm. if he'll skip a couple of minutes to make the story go faster, you know, I'll take it. Uh, no, I'll I agree. It. it moves fast, but it just seemed weird. I en- I enjoyed how Eddie Murphy delivered uh, some of the lines when he was like in the middle of his transition, like he stopped himself from cursing a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah like when they're when he's in the cat or when he's in the limousine and and right across is uh I keep forgetting his name Dan Aykroyd. It's, it's Aykroyd, but yeah. But anyways, he's Winthrop. like yeah Winthrop. He's like he's you know. That's the, that's the dude that busted me. That's the that, and he was about to say that's the motherfucker that busted me. Right. right? He's like and that's the mother. <laughs> gentleman that busted me but he still used the word bust like yeah he's like when you when you like, when your you woman know? wants to f- i mean make love like he, it's just it's classic I just love Murphy, that, like he yeah. didn't change the word busted like busted was a word that a like a rich person would mm-hmm. use you know what i mean so, i experienced so that we, i was in atlantic city and this homeless guy was walking with this homeless woman mm-hmm. and they're walking and they're kind of talking really loud. I had to go to my car, so I was kind of trying to stay away because I wasn't. They kind of sounded like they were fighting. Yeah, you I weren't making involved. eye contact, right? I wasn't making eye contact. You don't know them. Yep. And sh- she starts yelling, "Come on, come on! I want to make love, motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, she didn't say fuck, but she said motherfucker. She said I want to make love." Well, yeah. You would think somebody who says motherfucker would say, I want to fuck. You just so aren't paying like enough attention to the nuance of what she's looking <laughs> for, Travis. <laughs> Those are she's two so, different she's... things. Oh, oh, my God. It was so funny. I want to make love. 
She was like, I want to make love, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed out loud, and they heard me laugh, but it was just so funny. That's good. Hilarious. That's good radio. I mean, if they're unhoused, though, they're like at home, so it's not even that yeah, inappropriate. I don't know if they were homeless, but they, they definitely didn't look like they were. You're in their weren't. living room at that point, man. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't the Dukes. <laughs> 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 they they looked like they were carrying a few days worth of clothes with them. Let's yeah, the Dukes way. only make love to the people <laughs> under them who they screw over with their horrible right. behavior. You. Ugh. Interesting that we never saw a, a significant other of the Dukes in mm. the film at all. No I'm sure humanizing they're on their third them marriage. Then. Yeah, you don't is, want to humanize them. Or is it just because nobody would want to be married to anyone like that? I guarantee you that. Well, no. If they're on their third wife, they wouldn't have enough money to have that big house. So they're probably. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe no one's ever been Not with true. them. They would have had kids. I just, I what I saw was someone that is so selfish that would not have any time for any other right. human being at all. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. That's true. I kind of didn't like anybody in this movie except for Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Ophelia. I liked Ophelia. Ophelia. She was a capitalist and had a plan. All the rest of them, eh, gross. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy's uh, Coleman, lovable, Coleman's right? Good. I liked Coleman. Yeah, Coleman's all right, yeah. but it's, but he was involved in the whole setup. Yeah, he let them yeah, all go through the experiment, and then even at you the don't end, know what they said to him. Like you don't know what his pay is. They yeah. might have said, "We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna set you up." Like I don't still, know. I would, mean, I, so, I would. So I, I don't I know. Blunt. So the guy you're serving loyally for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden somebody calls you and they're like, "Yo, we're gonna double your pay or whatever." Just pretend like you don't know who he is when he comes to the mm-hmm. door. You're I dirty. don't know, but they you're dirty if pur- you're doing that. They purposely show that Coleman and, and I, I got a what was it? I got a Die Hard vibe from what? all of the working class people in this movie. Okay, all the people working for the rich people were all rolling their eyes constantly. Yes, that's but true. After what uh, Blake's saying, it kind of makes sense. The very beginning, like that opening credit, is very important. They show. Like you've never seen the movie Arthur, Arthur, but no. Arthur is a rich person like Winthrop, okay, or the Dukes, but he loves his butler. It's kind of like Bruce Wayne and Alfred. I was just gonna say it's like Bruce Wayne, uh, father son type situation. Yeah, they play off of each other really well. There's obviously a love and respect there, even though one's a servant. You can tell there's a lot to the story there. Maybe he served his parents, uh, Arthur's parents, and then his parents died, and then he kind of inherited Arthur. Right. This situation, from the get-go, they show discontent. They show, like, when when Winthrop stands outside after being served the whole morning, Mm -hmm. stands outside and waits, like, stares at Coleman to open his car door. Like, Mm -hmm. you can tell there was just, if someone came to me and I was Coleman in that situation, they Mm -hmm. said, listen, we're going to give you another six figures, or we're going to set your family up, or we're going to do whatever if you just play along for a week. I'm doing that shit. If I have that relationship with my my guy. They didn't have a relationship. You could tell. He made him breakfast, right. and he drove him to work, and that was it. Right, and so if you're, if you're the servant in this situation, and you, and you have disdain for your, the person that you're serving, then... If someone says, "Hey, we're gonna fuck with that guy that you don't like," it's like you don't have you don't have to pay me anymore. Like yeah. I'll just that's, do it. 
That's true. It's cool. That's, and they purposely fair. made Dan Aykroyd's character such a shit. Like, you right. could see he was a shit to his friends. He was a shit to his girlfriend. He was a shit to his butler, his co-workers. There, like, wasn't, really, have... there wasn't a lot of room for subtlety in the character development in this movie. But was no. that on purpose is the question. Like, I think, I think Landis and the writer did not want anybody to be liked because they were going to screw with so many people. So it was like the Mission only one you, accomplished. Like, yeah. Wasn't Ackroyd the writer <laughs> primarily? If I remember the credits correctly. Did he co-write? No, it's written uh, by or... Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrod. What am okay. I thinking of? Um, I'm losing my mind. I mean, Ackroyd co-wrote uh, Ghostbusters, I believe. And I liked everybody I th- in that movie. I think he, well, you're supposed to. I honestly believe that unlike Halloween 3, where all the characters could die tomorrow and I didn't give a shit because they, they were all kind of bad, uh, they were, I don't know if they were purposely written that way. This movie, I think they were purposely <laughs> written. <laughs> Which for character you not do you like think it? I was supposed to like in the movie where the one lady's probably a robot the whole time and the other guy abandons his family to buy beer <laughs> exactly. and hang out with it? <laughs> it's the same thing. Only in this case, you're digging it, and I'm not as much. Oh, well, I don't know. That's I don't funny. have any problems with I think, a movie I where think, you're supposed to hate every character. Yeah, I think it successfully did what it was supposed to do. You're yeah. supposed to like Eddie Murphy, and you were supposed to like Jamie Lee Curtis. And, and, you, were, and you were supposed to like the Aykroyd fact that Aykroyd... Redeemed himself yeah. and mm-hmm. pulled himself out of that world. So yes. I think at the very end, those three people, and Coleman, uh, they... They successfully did what they were supposed to do. You were supposed to hate the right people. Did they succeed, though? Because in the end, all they do is, like, break securities laws by doing insider trading just to spite a guy and get rich? Like, that's still not exactly redeeming, is it? Did you guys find it weird? I found this part especially weird. Like, this is supposed to be, I think, a feel-good type of situation. Like, look at this happy ending we all have. And now we all have minority butlers, like, that we used to be like. I don't know. That ending, like, that part of the ending, I was like, I don't know. Granted, they didn't seem to treat them as badly, but it was, uh, or not, they didn't seem to treat them badly at all, I should say. But I was so like, I didn't read them as butlers. I read them, they're on the islands. I believe they're probably just people in the, res- the wherever they're living that are working, like, People work. Well, butler works. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you're when you're on the islands, <laughs> it's going to be hard to find a white butler because I'm not suggesting the... <laughs> that the that they need to be of a particular color. It just seems right. like like oh, now we are just like the ones that yeah. we tried to tear down. Yes, I don't know no, that I I see, but again, I'm I'm thinking 80s mentality was the 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 bad ones. You have the capitalists, and then you have the crony capitalists. The bad ones got their comeuppance, and the and the 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 everyday man uh, prevailed. I think that's what the moral of the story was. Mm. We don't know if they're philanthropists and they're giving away their money and they're starting orphanages. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's trading places too. I'm I just mean, saying. Maybe the, maybe the Dukes had some like orphanages on the side, and now all those kids <laughs> yeah, are going to starve know. because yeah. the well, bad guys from this movie just stole all their well, money. I, I'm going to say that there's another movie down the road that establishes that that's not true. <laughs> but is it I'm going to say <laughs> pigs fly. I mean, I guess we can say whatever we want. Yeah. Wait. The world no, is I, uh, crazy. I, I don't know. I, I felt like I, I, I liked so many elements of this movie, but like I got done watching it, and I got to be honest. 
I don't know if this is maybe I'm uh, jumping the gun here because I don't know your guys' format as well as I should have. Um, but I got I got all done with that movie and I was like, okay. I get, I didn't really need to watch that movie. Yeah, mm. yeah, same. Well, George George has that thing uh, pretty much every week. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's generally how I feel about movies. We watch seventy five movies, and I think he like, liked. It's got to be a really good movie for me to be like, wow, that I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that again. You right. know, mm-hmm. I never say that. It's got to be a really good movie. Yeah, like I I I only watched that. F- I I've been told I needed to watch that movie for years. People, would be, it was one of those classics, right? People are like. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What do you mean you haven't seen traded trading places? And I was like, okay, this is an excuse to fire up one of these classics that I only have a passing interest in. Mm. And I got done with it. And my wife watched it with me, and we both were like, meh, ah. yeah, yeah. I wish we would have uh, watched that one thing that we've been wanting to watch. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. That's oh. how I feel when I when when <laughs> I watch a few movies that Dan recommends because I'm like I I don't I don't. If it's something I don't choose to sit down and watch, then it becomes work. It becomes a chore. It becomes something that you have to do. I was excited about it. I was, yeah. like, I was like, this is a great excuse to watch this movie that I've been told I need to watch forever. Um, that I might have been go- part of the hype, though. Like, if, if it was hyped up that, that much, like, I'm, I'm the nostalgic guy. Like, I love this movie for nostalgic reasons. I remember sitting down with my dad when I was, like, 12, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching an adult movie. You know, not an adult movie, but like a that's a, a different, podcast. different podcast, yeah. different podcast, different podcast, a a movie with <laughs> with uh that that I shouldn't be watching at 13, but my dad's let me watch it. Like it was kind of like a uh a rite of passage kind of thing. Was it your birthday that day? I don't know why because first you were 12 and then you were 13. Oh, whatever, <laughs> seriously, it's like the uh, it's like the knife. <laughs> Seriously, the knife so, that was ten inches, and then all of a sudden it was eleven inches. So Travis is fourteen, inches. watching this movie I with think, his dad. I think if I yes. watched, I, <laughs> so Travis, I so Travis 13? is fifteen. All right, <laughs> I was uh, how old was I? Oh, I was that old. <laughs> he just flipped me up. <laughs> I, I was one. <laughs> oh, anyway, man. yeah, if I watched this today for the first time, I probably wouldn't. Other than some of the funny, I probably wouldn't have liked it. But okay. nostalgic okay. Travis loves this. It was day. funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. But there's a lot of stuff like, but any movie back then, like if you watch the toy, if you watch, uh, you know, uh, what's the one, uh, Stir Crazy. Like there's a lot of movies back then that you know, the uh, the whole not not the whole nine yards. What was the one with Burt Reynolds? Uh, yeah, the whole nine yards. Like all these movies that there's redeeming qualities in bad people. By the end, you get to see a change or maybe you get to see a bad guy get his comeuppance from somebody who might not be perfect mm-hmm. but they're less bad than the other guy like that's just what the 80s were today this world is totally different now it's like oh i won't even bring it up but <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> but the, the, the people overanalyze uh or they project their own lives on 30 year old movies and it's like just watch it like it's just if you don't like it fine and that's what this podcast is about because there's a lot of movies that you aren't going to like i have the complete i i don't agree with blake on this at all i thought this movie was funny i thought like if i if i want to laugh i'm gonna watch this movie again and i don't watch movies more than i think this is better than blues brothers i agree 
But I know why Dan would like Blue, Blues Brothers more because of the music, and it, which hey, I love yeah, it for man. as well. But if Blues this Brothers movie had makes... Duck done, I would have been all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Blues Brothers gets crazy almost at the opening credits. This movie waits until the train, and then you can do without. Yeah. But for the 80s kid, I guess I was 14. Um, You're 14 now, yeah. Yeah, I'm 14 now. I wrote down... The whole train scene is crazy. It's not really ne- uh, necessary, but it, there's so much gold in there. Like there's so much stuff, quotable stuff that when I was growing up made my dad laugh. Uh, like classic Eddie Murphy beef jerky time. Like that that whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say for uh, the record, we're not gonna quote any of that scene on this podcast, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's classic, and and yeah. There's a lot of things in there that need to go for today's audience. But right. for the time, we had a sense of humor. Like we were we were brought up on Sam Kennison, Rodney Dangerfield, you know, Andrew Dice Clay, uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Like we weren't offended as much. I like all of these comedians you've named. I think all the people you just referenced, other than Richard Pryor, all those people <laughs> were famous after this movie came out. So yeah, that's kind of fun. But what I'm, st- what do you mean? Well, it's just because this movie predates all those guys, so like they're, yes, they're almost does. two different eras but, by about six or eight years. But without this movie, you don't get a lot of the that stuff. So and, what you're saying was John Landis was a visionary. I don't think Kinnison had anything to do with this movie. Kinnison would have been Kinnison without this a hundred percent. Kinnison, I never saw him blackface. You know. Okay. I just thought that was completely unnecessary. And not just like unnecessary because I'm in the 2020s and we don't do that anymore. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon did it. Jimmy Kimmel did it like very recently. because at the But I'm just saying it's unnecessary because it didn't, it literally added nothing to the plot because they already had the briefcase transferred. Like that was the, I was just like, this movie has lost. That's when I checked out the most, I think, because they successfully got the other briefcase right. to Dan Aykroyd, who you don't see. And then he shows up in their thing and brings it back and gets caught. And it's just like, they just did this so that gorilla would bang that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funnier to say than to watch, to be honest. Yeah. like I... Comedians would do that. Eddie Murphy dressed up uh, on Saturday Night Live multiple times as a white guy. Uh, a lot of the guys on Saturday Night Live played multiple races. Like It was just kind of a theater thing, and it wasn't meant to be offensive. Because everybody kind of was an equal opportunity offender. So it was like, okay, today they're going to make fun of this guy. And they're going to make, like, everybody was just a little bit more laid back back then. And they weren't so yeah. high strung and, and bug up their ass about everything. Yeah. So it was like, and it, and it comes all the way to the 2000s because Jimmy Kimmel was doing it. Jimmy Fallon, uh, uh, I think Daryl Hammond did it a few times. Uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. almost won an Oscar by doing it. So it's like, it happened, mm-hmm. and we need to move on. It, 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 yeah, blackface sucked for the time period that it sucked, but I don't think anybody, even Dan Aykroyd, looked at that as blackface for the time. I'm sure they look back at it now, and they're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. But for the time, and that's where that this movie is aged badly. Sure. I think, so, the, the I guess, quote-unquote, controversial sections of this movie are not why I was lukewarm on it. Like I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, pr- I got pretty thick skin, and I, I feel like I can be pretty objective in my observations, especially yeah, yeah. when it pertains to different time periods. I just, 
legitimately was like, I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't underwhelmed. I was whelmed. I give it a, I give it a C, <laughs> you know, like I was right. just like, yeah. this movie's fine. Uh, I don't know why everyone told me I had to watch it. Like, it's fine. I would never tell anybody they have to watch it. I do understand its importance. I do understand what it was trying to say, I think. Um, I just thought it was just an okay movie. I think overall. everybody says that because the same reason why I would say, like, when a movie like Coming to America comes out and it kind of fixes a lot of the things that this movie did wrong. Uh, Maybe it's because I saw that first. Yeah, people kind of, because they're showing a culture in a good light. They're showing, you know, uh, they're showing the same socioeconomic issues and and uh, the classism and the racism, but they're doing it in a different way. I just think John Landis got better at it. Which and, you should, you know, over time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask you, like a, a storyline clarification. They're on an Amtrak train at New Year's with a bunch of people in costumes. Mm-hmm. It's like Terror Train, but without the terror, <laughs> except right. for that, that guy that gets boned by a gorilla. Uh, it's probably better than Terror Train, too, but yes. Why on earth? No. 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 Uh, terror Train is wonderful, and uh, also uh, might be a good follow-up for this. Anyway. Uh, Possible. Here's the thing that I don't understand when you're making this movie. I don't understand why Dan Aykroyd, who has in his possession the thing that they need, the MacGuffin to get through the scene, mm-hmm. why he even enters their car. But I also don't understand why when you're on a train full of people in costume, why you have all your characters pretend to be in regular clothes, but actually in costume, right? Like, it's just, it's an interesting... I think maybe the script needed another pass, right? Because you mm. could have the same scene where Jamie Lee Curtis comes in dressed as Supergirl, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd comes in g- dressed as a Ghostbuster, Hardy Hardy. Mm. I know that's you know out of sequence, but you know what I mean. Halloween costumes—they're on a thing covered in Halloween costumes. So why does each one pretend to be like an ethnic minority instead of just put on a costume? Seems like a lot of. It's a good. Qu- it's a good question. It's just a. It would have be even made more sense if they were in those costumes, but not speaking with accents. Yeah, I mean, they could just be in costume. That right. would be fine. Right. Those exact costumes, except for the one, uh, right. it'd be fine, right? The one you really probably ought to think about. But I, know, I realize at the time it was probably not as clin- uh, cringy as it is today. But like, yeah, no, you're right. It's you're weird. Right. And maybe it was an attempt at broad comedy, like, haha, they could just be in costumes, but instead they're going to be, you know, whatever. I, I think that's what it was. It's it a head scratcher, it man. A, it was an attempt to like, like, let's just make the you know general person in the audience who maybe has missed the greater point of this movie to get a laugh, and right. that is a mechanism that they were using at the time. And maybe that's I I'm I, I'm with you. I don't. I was like, well, this is an interesting angle, and I'm like really trying to pretend that I'm living in 1983. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going yeah. like, I still don't really understand why that's any better for the quality of the, the overall story. But maybe it was just like a Hail Mary, like, well, let's try to get, you know, good old Uncle Ted to laugh at something in this movie. I don't know what it is. Hey, can we talk about uh, JLC? <laughs> I was going to see how long <laughs> we Are we going to get to this? No. Please? No, I thought we were going to wrap it up. 
Well, we cannot wrap it up. I mean, she's the reason you watched this movie, right? Because it's Jamie Lee true. Christmas. I literally said, and Dan and Post probably had a field day with this, that I love JLC because of how classy she is. <laughs> mm. Is that what you said? That is what I said last wow. week when it's... she had her her scene oh, in, right. in the movie night. last right. week. Right. And I can't imagine, like, <laughs> now, now I can't imagine... Like, what the conversation must have been like. You know, like, if JLC is is the way or was the way I thought she was, mm-hmm. the idea of her being on screen and topless, like, how they would have to pitch that to her if she was, like, you know, like, listen, you're, uh, li- this, you know, this scene has, a, you know, it's got a couple topless scenes in here, but it's very classy, don't worry. Right, it's artsy. Um... You're a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, uh, okay. But don't worry, it's very classy. Uh, Eddie Murphy's in the movie. Hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, where's the good part? I'm like, <laughs> like where's the classy part? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Nah, I, I hear you. So, I don't remember it being this, uh, I don't want to say revealing. I do remember the first one, mm-hmm. the first time. I totally forgot about the second time. When Dan was like, told me twice, I was like, oh, wait, what? And I totally forgot about the when he was sick scene. Yeah, that was, I, kind of, that was kind of weird. I think it's the best scene in the movie, and here's why, right? It's on this accelerated John Landis timeline thing. It doesn't necessarily track, mm-hmm. but she's the first person to show like genuine human concern yes. for Winthrop. And it's this opportunity for him to finally like, you know, for no reason other than, you know, protecting her investment or whatever, but for no reason other than she cares about him in some way, you know, it's not sexually motivated. It's not money motivated. It is literally her embracing his humanity. So I think it's a beautiful scene. I don't know why she had to get her clothes off though. Right. I was going to say like, that's what much I was like, much like the train scene. I think you're right, Dan, but much like the train scene. And it's like, I st- this is where I stand by like I think Landis is just going for like uh you know like it's like a very like that didn't need to happen type scenario uh for that particular moment like it was otherwise kind of like a tender touching like character development scene and it was just like hey JLC while you're at it <laughs> you yeah, know like yeah. for me it would have made more of an impact if she got into that bed completely clothed like a mother would right and just kind of you know laid next to him and just they had that same conversation well but her being naked kind of changed the dynamic of that scene yeah exactly and i think that the the whole point was because he was in her bed right Mm -hmm. because he was sick right and like the first thing or the end of the scene when they first come into her apartment is that you know, she's talking about how everything costs money, like money mm-hmm. costs money, or uh, food costs money, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, and that's not the only thing. Right. And that's why you sleep on the couch. Door slams. Right? So, yeah, this that that's exactly what the scene was. He's in her bed, and she's, like, genuinely feeling something, like, human emotions for right. him, not just an, inve- an like a money investment anymore, but, like, a, you know, it really like wasn't a that much person. money invested, was it? I mean, it was like- how much? Five figures. Oh, that's Ten right. Grand. Yeah. That's so, I mean, in a, in a way, it's still her just, it's just transactional if you want to read it that way. But she acts it in, like, 
it's written in a way that you could take it as transactional, but the way that she acts right. it, and the thing is, she's so good in this. Everything she does in this movie is so, it just feels genuine. And it's a right. character we've never seen her play, but she's so good. Like, there's a reason I was like, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, we should do a series on her. Not just because George likes her, but because she's so good and so versatile in every role she plays. After seeing many interviews of her over the four decades, she's always, even if she's doing this, she's always the strong, she makes sure that she plays a strong woman yeah. in control. Yeah. So, and you'll there are other movies where she is sexualized. She's a, she's a beacon of sexuality. Sure. But she's always in control and she always, uh, she's never uh, taken advantage of. She's never this or that. So I think she was trying to change Hollywood in a way. And what you just said is the reason, it's the reason why, even though I have now seen what I thought I probably would never see. It's a Nef, what, Nef what you thing. just said was the is the reason why I still, right? I can still re- respect this actress and like this actress. Plus, and I love think this she. Actress. I think this was her Disney uh, over, out of Disney moment. Like yes. you know how Disney actresses yes, they yes, try to yes, 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 yes. become adults mm-hmm. to a new audience. Yes. And it's like you know me from this, but absolutely check, check me out here. I think it was that kind of a moment for her, but. 80s style where Hollywood it's very smart. Yeah, it was, she, it was like a like a Britney Spears or a right. Miley Cyrus. I'm not Disney anymore moment. Possibly. And then you have like the the 2000s when women that were doing this in movies were getting Oscar nominations. So it's how, funny how far we've come. Where like Elizabeth Shue in Leaving Las Vegas plays the same character, mm-hmm. but more serious movie. Mm-hmm. And she gets nominated for an Oscar. To be fair, Angelina if this jo- movie was as good as Leaving Las Vegas, maybe Jamie Lee Curtis no, gets a nomination. I, no, I, I agree. She does. I agree. She puts I'm not in saying... the work. Uh, you know, her yes. acting in this is phenomenal. What I'm saying is the the nude scene, or the topless scene, or mm-hmm. the frontal yeah. getting out of the shower scene. Like over time, like I don't want to say she was ahead of the curve with this because it was still over sexualizing her. I still think this this entire movie is ahead of the curve. But keep going. The uh, yeah, it's kind of ahead of its time, but it's also stuck in the eighties. Um, yeah, sure. But th- her doing that, I think, I think there's a lot to it that I would love to ask her about. Well, let's get her on the show. <laughs> but it's like Dan, she follows you on Twitter, right? I I've reached out, haven't heard back. Jamie Lee, hit me up. I mean, I think it's the same thing. Like when we talked to uh, Deborah Voorhees about that scene in mm-hmm. in Friday Thirteenth. Like yeah. it's just something that actresses. Did and do sometimes for many different reasons, whether it's to reach a different audience, to show that they they're now adults to. uh, And again, I keep saying Disney because a lot of the Disney actors and actresses, they are victims of this. They they feel like they have to break away. They need to shed that that shell of being a Disney actor. And then they go and they do something like this. Mm -hmm. And it's like. I have more to offer. I'm I'm more than just that person. I'm more than just Hannah Montana. And right. it's like I'm a great over- actor. I can be anything. Right. Watch. And then they overdo it. Yeah. Or they're not taken seriously. So it's like with this, she was doing horror movies. She was doing the little, you know, reveals here and there. And this was her first 
I would I don't want to say mainstream. Would it be mainstream? In five movie years, based? she did like six slasher movies of varying quality. Right. And this was her first major mainstream non-slasher hit, and it set her up for the rest of her career. Now, George, you've not seen Casino Royale yet, have you? The new one with why well, you say new? It's ten years old now. Have you seen Casino Royale? Casino Royale. It's a James Bond movie. Daniel Craig. I think I believe I have actually. Okay, good because I'm going to spoil it. Uh, okay. Blake, uh, you've seen Casino Royale, I assume. It's been oh, a yes. long time. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so here's the deal with the with trading places. I know a little bit about commodities. I know a little bit about buying on margin. What a risk you take if you get, you know, insider traded by a couple of scoundrels who you've been trying to screw over anyway, so you probably deserve it. The scene in the mercantile exchange where everybody is screaming and numbers are going up and numbers are going down (laughs) gave me new appreciation for Casino Royale Mm -hmm. as made in the early 2000s with Daniel Craig because in the book and in the original movie, it's a high-stakes Baccarat game. And mm. even up through Goldeneye, he plays Baccarat. I don't have the slightest clue how Baccarat works. So if they had yeah. insisted on Casino Royale coming down to a big hand in Baccarat, I'd have been like, oh, cards flipped over. There were numbers on them. Ooh, more cards. More numbers, right? I become Moss from the IT crowd watching soccer. Like, oh, he's kicked it to another guy. <laughs> oh, now he has kicked the ball. Hooray. <laughs> right? Yeah. I needed more than this movie gave me to really feel like any investment in <laughs> investment in that scene, right? I know the numbers right. are going to go down. I know they're going to screw the old people over and I knew that from the first scene, right? Like you know from the beginning how this movie's going to end, but my gosh, that 5 or 10 minutes of them in the murk, I'm just like, okay. Cool. People are screaming. Glad I don't work there. Oh, the numbers went down. Oh, he's kicked the ball. Oh, he's kicked the ball to another guy. <laughs> like, I needed more, yeah, guys. Yeah, I kind of I felt the same way, but I didn't feel like I needed more. I was like, I have no idea what's going on or if any of this makes sense, and I really don't it's care. It's chaotic. I think yeah. that was the only... It, it was John Landis's, um Car crash. Car crash through the shopping mall scene. Yes. That's but I know what's happening the, in the yeah. car, crash car crash scene. You know, it's like... Right. This is the equivalent of, like, if you had zoomed to an outside shot, an exterior of the mall, and just played some car crashing noises. I'd be like, yeah, there's probably car crashing <laughs> right. in there, but I don't know because I don't... You're not giving me enough insight to follow. And then a car comes zooming out of the mall. I'm like, oh, good. They crashed, as I suspected yeah, minutes got, ago. You got the you got the point, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I got the point. I knew they were going to screw yeah. them by buying on margin, but I just, you know, I don't know the inner workings of when the numbers go need, up and you down. You don't need to. But then you I'm just not to. invested, right? It's like going to somebody's house and watching uh, nah, cricket for the first nah. time. Now, you know, you know what you sound like. You sound like me. <laughs> Normally, stop judging the movie. movie. Yeah, you sound like me when me. I'm watching anything involving cars. Like when I see the, <laughs> when I watch Transformers the first time and she opens it and she's like, this is a double pumper. I'm like, that is not, that is not <laughs> what that is. Shut up. Like, but like for the, the stock trading scene, I'm like, I guess maybe I'm not like experienced with that stuff, but I, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on what was going on there. Um, why the numbers were going up and why they were going down. I don't know. I thought that scene, this is where Dan and I are going to differ on this movie. I felt like that scene was actually pretty fun. I, I enjoyed the chaos of it. I enjoyed what was, what was going on and the, the flurry. Cause that's that. I mean, that is wall street. That is what it is, right? Yeah, like, it, I enjoyed it for the acting. Cause that's me. 
<laughs> and and uh, I'm going to say to Dan that your problem with that scene, Dan, are you saying that's equal to when I see bad acting in a movie where I'm like, I know what they're supposed to be doing and they're not doing it. No, because I so knew what I, they I, were doing. I just didn't feel like they were including me. You know, I was right. just like, I felt like the... the <laughs> like the third person in a in a not very open threesome. I was just like, okay, but what what's here for me? I'm gonna go get a sandwich. But what you miss out on by not letting me in on the scene is I don't get that moment from Casino Royale when he's got a tough hand, and I know it's a bad hand, but I know he's probably gonna win. And he flips over the last card and dramatically he goes from probably losing to absolutely winning. Right? And sure, at first, it's silly to have Texas Hold'em, the game of the people or whatever, as the game that James Bond is going to play. But the insight it gives me opens me up to a whole new level of drama. There's drama of maybe he's actually not going to win, and he's going to have to shoot his way out of there. And in this movie, it was just like, oh, hey, they're going to win. Look, they're waiting to win. Look, they've begun to win. They won. And I guess it just... Because I wasn't included in the inner workings, I felt like they left me out of any dramatic, like, tension right at the last moment. Are they going to do it? Of course they're going to do it. They did it. He's kicked the ball. Hooray. Right. I, I just love their, like, the chaos of scene, meh. Uh, I get it. It sets the tone. But I'm watching them, too. And I'm watching them just wait. And I just love that dynamic that they have where he's just like, not yet, not yet. And then he just yells something and the whole place goes nuts. And then they sit there and then they know they're going to sell. Like, it's just, to me, that, that was a cool little insight on the new Winthrop. That's what that scene was for me. We're seeing the new um, Louis or Louis. We're seeing his his redemption. Like now yeah. he's the when we see him sitting on the beach. I don't know if it's gonna, re, is it really redemption or is it just revenge? It's it's revenge, but you can tell he's a changed person. Yeah, like, it's like it's Ophelia did something. You know what it is for his it's, personality. It's revenge, but it's also redemption. Sweet revenge because he's doing it with Eddie Murphy. It's Jason Voorhees type revenge. <laughs> no, you got to remember where he started. Right. Remember, right. he started with Eddie Murphy running into him, be like, "This guy, this guy, criminal, this guy. exactly." Total. Yeah. Right. So he so was redeemed. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's a redemption. It's revenge and it's redemption. And I think it's sloppy, in, but it's like it's they sloppy purposely and they still committed a crime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, that. come on, is isn't Wall Street all crime? <laughs> yeah, mean, the whole, yeah. Really, I mean, they kind of reveal that that they're like, no matter what, we make commission. Whether you lose money or win money, well, that's we, that's not a crime. That's just it's not agreement. a crime, but there's criminals work in there. Let's oh, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like uh, when you see like uh, was it Wolf Wolf of Wall Wolf Street? Of Wall Street. Yeah. When you see those FBI agents go into that room and just start arresting people, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> You can bleep that if you want, Dan. But uh, th- there's such a satisfaction to seeing that. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Goodfellas. Like, there's just certain scenes where they the the tie up or the roundup or the whatever. Yeah. Is no matter how bad the people are that are getting um not redemption but getting aren't on the receiving end. Uh, the people on the receiving end are so bad <laughs> that you're just right. like, okay. I mean, there's Satan, and then there's yeah, yeah, and in the end, I mean, listen, like nobody's perfect, right? 
right? These characters are not perfect characters. Right. First no, of all, like, how dare you? I am too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's necessary to show you. You have the the ending doesn't work unless you at least like him. Right. Yeah. yeah. It ha- you have to like him. You don't have to love him. You already like Valentine. You already like Ophelia, and you already like Coleman. Although you question his his judgment to throw his boss under the bus, but his boss was an asshole. So um, at the time, at the time, yeah. So that ending does not work unless you like them, right? Mm, maybe that's why I still didn't like yeah. Winthrop. It's possible. I still didn't yeah. like him that well. They tried. They tried though. They tried they to tried. show you a different yeah. Winthrop. Maybe it's because he just refused to go by Louis. His name's Louis. Okay, <laughs> knock it off with this garbage. Stop it. I, don't I know love when she is. calls him Louie. It's so funny. Louie? <laughs> Louie? Get off your knees, Louie. So I, I know we're probably getting close to the end, but there's one thing that I've that I noticed, and it has to do with this movie, and it has to do with another movie that I watched recently, or re-watched recently. Um, and we, it kind of fits in with these cultural differences between certain time periods that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like, and I think I know the year. I I recently rewatched Step Brothers, mm. and to me, that movie in my brain is pretty recent, but it's actually not 2008, that recent. I think. So it's like 2008 to 2010, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, yeah, I think it's 2010 actually, but I think 2010 is like the year of the the Great Cultural Wall going up, like. Things made prior to 2010, like you mentioned a uh, road trip, mm-hmm. like things made prior to 2010, there were, there were things that were just generally kind of acceptable as funny or okay or even preferred to have in different forms of media that like you, once you go beyond 2010, like our it's perception of what's okay is mm-hmm. so, so changed. And I think that there is actually, it might seem kind of gradual because 2010 was quite a while ago now, but I feel like 2010 was like when the wall started being erected, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened with 9-11. Like there's, there's cinema before 9-11 and then there's, or cultural, culture before 9-11 and then after 9-11. It was very, a lot of things just became uh, taboo. And it, it, it's uncomfortable for some people to to change that quickly. Like they're they're shown the error of their ways, or they're shown that this. But they also are creatures of habit, and they do and they say things that that it, it was. It took a while. So then, right. then the second one happened around what he's saying, like 2010. So now we're at a point where no one knows what they're allowed to say or do because <laughs> someone's going to be offended. Yeah, that's that's the kind of dog I have, and you're an asshole. Like it's just like okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make fun of beagles. Like, <laughs> what'd you say about beagles? <laughs> but it's like, I yeah, it's it's eggshells to the umph degree sometimes, and it's it's tough. I I I would not want to be a comedian or a comedic writer right now at all. Should anybody tell him what? You're on a comedy show, bro. You oh, do this right. every week, and you haven't been canceled yeah. yet. Well, he said he didn't want to be a writer. You think any of this is written? <laughs> yeah. I don't well, think then why did Dan anything. send me this script? All this stuff I was supposed to say. <laughs> it's scripted reality. 
It's like, I, yeah. I, these aren't even my opinions, dude. Why am I supposed to say this? I don't understand. <laughs> I well, actually I kinda really know like this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know if I say anything that's cancelable, I think Dan and Post usually takes care of it. <laughs> Dan is your friend. <laughs> Hi, this is Dan and Post. I think this is my moment to wink at the camera and have a little glint, a little lens flare, a little ping. Yeah, guys. What's up? I got your back. So, yeah. George, we've seen Jamie Lee Curtis uh terrorized by halloween uh we've seen her terrorized in prom night you may see her terrorized again in other franchises but for now no uh Mm -hmm. were you pleased with jamie lee curtis's performance in a mainstream comedy yeah are you still on board with jamie lee christmas Uh, yeah are you excited to see where we take you next yeah travis do you want to tell him what he's up for next week I didn't know there was a quiz. There's an it's aquatic. Well, you uh, <laughs> it's aquatic. well you threw a curveball and you said possibly the other one. So oh no no no! That. I'm not going to make a much terror train, which okay. she is also in. That's the thing. It's on a train and she's in it, and uh, it also has uh, David Copperfield, the magician. <laughs> that's not a highlight necessarily, but he is in there. But it does have vanity, which you know that's a whole different. Uh, situation uh, worth exploring Vanity. at some point. The is that prin- Prince's? Uh huh. Yep. Crazy. I'm it's... stalling because I'm sending you a text. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me stall also so that I may read the text. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Wow. Let's fill with some words. <laughs> you guys ever? Uh, oh, you guys ever okay. notice that like birds aren't real? Birds aren't real. I was aren't... gonna say. So Blake, what kind of pizza do you like? <laughs> No, we're um, good. We're ready. <laughs> I was just getting into the bird thing. This is ridiculous. We can we can go back to bird, but oh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna first talk about fish. Also, bees are government spies. Yes, that's why they tell you not to kill them because they're, they're all like, CIA oh, agents. Bees are so important for nature and shit. Mm. It's like they're all government spies. Interesting. That's why. Okay, so up next is a movie. Is it aquatic? It's aquatic. It has to do with aqua. Couldn't have uh, seen this one coming. Wow. I'm not going to reveal anything about Free it. Free Willy. But we're going to be watching A Fish Called Wanda. Okay. Do you know anything about A no, Fish I Called Wanda? No, I haven't even heard of a movie called A Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I... Richard is going to be really disappointed to hear that you yeah. didn't listen to a word he said. He mentioned it a few times. Believe, really? Yeah, he so. did. Don't worry, he won't remember what he said. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, if if Dan wants to say anything about it, I don't no. know what I'm allowed to say. No, okay, man. So we're not going to let you know Christmas. who's in it, what it's about. Okay, you, Jamie, Jamie Lee's Christmas. probably so you know in, she's it, in it. But that's all we're telling you. A fish called Wanda. A fish called Wanda. Have you seen that, Blake? Uh, no, I have. <gasps> well, I take it back. I have seen it. I don't remember anything about it because it was a long, long time ago. Hmm. Yeah, I was probably not supposed to watch it. I just don't remember. <laughs> I know that I did watch it, but I don't remember a thing about it. Yeah. You know what I think? Yeah, what do you some, think it Sometimes might be? happens when you guys start talking about like movies and actors and this relates to this and this relates to that, but you like sometimes you relate the movie that I just watched to a movie that I haven't watched. And actors that I don't know from actors that I do know. And when you do that, I think I just check out. 
It's like me like, during the Wall Street. Scene I don't know where I was just like, okay, there's numbers. I'm yeah, gonna... I'm like, I, you're, you're saying names. I don't know who any of these people are, hmm. and I just like let you guys go because you guys are excited about it. Well, the only connector is the one you know. So, right, but like, there's multiple things this this episode that we talked about last episode that I don't remember. I think it's because I just check out. Do we need to quit the podcast? It's for his no. benefit, actually. <laughs> no. it, it benefits you that you don't listen to us when yeah, we talk. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, because the reveal of uh, of the Tom Atkins thing that you just watched was pretty damn funny. Yeah, thank you it's for funny that radio. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, I want to thank Blake Wyland for stopping by. Uh, check out the Chasing Tone podcast. You can hear him and Richard go back and forth. And then uh, the Tone Mob podcast as well. Always be casting the pods, man. Casting so many pods out there for everyone. I was going to say for everyone's enjoyment, but I don't know if that's actually what they're (laughs) doing with it. So, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. You can email us remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram, at Remedial Film Pod. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we're also on every podcatcher you can think of. And hey, if you're on a podcatcher, like Apple or Spotify, we're also on YouTube. And sometimes, sometimes, we sprinkle in a little bonus content. So check it out. We'll be back next week with Jamie Lee Curtis in A Fish Called Wanda. So, Blake, what are you playing these days, man? You got any new uh, gear that we need to hear about that if we, uh, if our listeners haven't been keeping up with Tone Mob or haven't been keeping up with mm. Chasing Tone, what what's new in your... Uh... Oh, man. The guitar stuff? I, uh, I, do, I have an Ampeg uh, Dan Armstrong reissue that's coming here pretty shortly. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, for those that... I don't know how many guitar people are listening to this right now, but... Uh, th- that is a plexiglass guitar, so it's like clear, and mm. yeah, it's a kind of a an oddball one. And uh, I first became aware of it from uh, Black Flag, but most people are more familiar with it from like the Rolling Stones and stuff. But um, it's a it's a classic classic guitar, and it's a unique guitar, and not one that I have in the stable. So I'm excited for that. And then I'm honestly, this sounds really nerdy, but I'm really in studio upgrade mode right now. Like I, I've got some nice monitors now. I got a subwoofer. I'm, I'm all about like trying to get my recording situation more sorted. Cause I'm making more and more weird music these days. And I want to be able to mix it and master it myself to the degree, to the degree, which that is possible. So I'm that's, really nerding out on studio stuff at the moment. That's awesome. Nothing wrong with that, I, man. I love to hear that. I've got these, uh, for the gear nerds, I guess, I've got these Cali LP8 monitors in, which are not terribly expensive. Um, but I am crazily impressed with how good they sound and how neutral. And there's a lot of things that I've mixed on them and played with already. Where like, oh, I missed specifically things I was missing in the upper mids from most of my other listening platforms. So I'm I'm really loving these at the what, moment. What kind of monitors did you have before? I had these really cheap uh JV or yeah, JVC headphones um that I just used because I I had been using them for so long. They were closed back. 
I still yeah. I'm actually using them right now for the podcast. They're closed back and I use them for recording all the episodes. I'm just so familiar with them. Right. That I was mixing on those and then referencing through this literal, like very cheap uh home theater setup. Um, okay. And then I would go check it in like my car or in earbuds or whatever. I'd go check gotcha. it in a bunch of different places just to try to make sure I had it right. But I got so familiar with these headphones, I was able to get pretty close most of the time. But I think these monitors are gonna actually make everything even smoother and faster because I can already tell I'm like, oh, if I would have been listening on these, I would have heard that thing that I heard, you know, in my car that I couldn't pick up before. So I'm I'm very excited. Plus they just sound better. So even just watching videos and normal things is more enjoyable with them. So it's a yeah, the Cali LP eights. I'm 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 still in the honeymoon phase, admittedly. So my yeah. opinion could change over time, but that's where I am right now. I'd, I'm uh, still in the honeymoon phase with mine. Um, I got uh, a pair of Yamaha HS5s. Oh yeah, those are great. I'm doing. I'm just. I'm doing a lot of like guitar playing. Uh, like a lot of song learning, and I'm. I'm. <sighs> my band is going direct, and I'm which sorry. is not something that I'm used to. Yeah. Um, but uh. I, I needed to like get the best sound possible going direct. And so I I got the uh the monitors to um help me get there. Totally. 